ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Hi, Chris and Dan. This is Ellie from California. However, I'm in beautiful British Columbia right now for a few months. And I want to let you guys know that what you're doing is so important in this world. I love you guys so much. Your podcast is wonderful. And I look forward to all of the incredible episodes that you have. As somebody who also works with the internal world, I can tell you this world needs this. So thank you from a peace trainer to another. I wish you guys so much more continued success and continue doing this incredible work that you're doing. Love you guys. Hey, what is up, everyone? Hope you are all doing well wherever you are in the world. And thank you so much to Ellie from sunny California for that message there. You all who are sending these messages are honestly amazing people and there really are some beautiful people out there in the world. So please keep sending over these audio snippets we love to know where you are and what you're up to in general while you just listen to the podcast. It really is cool to get in and know how, who is out there. And if you want to send one of these messages over, all you need to do is send them over to mine and Chris's email, which is Dan and Chris at ascendbodymind.com. There's also many other ways you can send them in via our Facebook, our Instagram, and there's also a contact form on the Ascend Podcast website. So anyway, this podcast this week was an absolute honor for me. Bruce Parry is somebody who I have wanted to have a conversation with for a long time now. And basically, Bruce Parry is an indigenous tribal explorer, an indigenous rights advocate. He's an author. And I can even remember watching this guy, Bruce Parry, when I was about 14 or 15 years old. And he was traveling all these different remote places on the planet and discovering and visiting many different remote indigenous peoples all around the world. And I think in the early 20s it was, he created a TV series, which I can remember watching, called Tribe in the Amazon, where he basically visited and lived with all these different remote groups. And not only just lived with them, Bruce completely immersed himself in these different people's ways of life, and he was completely accepted in each community. He visited groups of people in the Arctic, uh, the Himalayas, Ethiopia, West Papua, Gabon, Mongolia, and many other places as well. And he spent about a month living and interacting with each society. And he completely, like I said earlier, this is what I really loved about him. He completely immersed himself in the practice practices of these different peoples and their rituals and basically completely exploring their cultural norms. And there was even, which I can remember, a few times where he partakes in ayahuasca ceremonies. And I just really loved his willingness to completely immerse himself in these people's 
which really does come across in the documentaries and it really does enable him to sort of form personal bonds with each members of the tribe. So I really do think this is an important podcast and it's also all these documentaries are an important piece of history in my opinion. And I also just wanted to say as well, I would recommend checking out his newest documentary and I'll probably get this wrong, but it's it's called Taiwan, I think. But basically it's, spent, it's spelled T-A-W-A-I and it basically means a voice from the forest. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well if you want to check it out. It really is such an incredible piece of documentary style. And it's basically, the documentary Taiwan is basically means a word that the nomadic hunter-gatherers of Borneo use to describe the inner feeling of connection to nature. And Bruce travels the world to learn from people living in very, very different situations from our own from the jungles of malaysia to the tributes of the amazon and basically bruce wanted to get across with this documentary it's basically a quest for re uh, reconnection and basically just wanted to provide a powerful voice from the heart of the forest itself and it really does do that as well so i'd recommend checking that out and in this podcast we did with bruce bruce kindly invited us to his home where we sat beside this beautiful lake so you'll hear some birds in the background, you'll hear the sounds of nature, which all adds to the ambience of this amazing conversation. And this was really a very rare and amazing opportunity for us to dig into the mind of somebody I feel that work and research will be remembered throughout history. But I will warn you though that early on in this podcast, it gets a bit crazy. We do start off by talking about Willie's, i.e. men's penises. But anyway, it's all jokes. It's all jokes and it's all fun. So anyway, enjoy this. And if you want to support the podcast, we have a one-off donation option. And we also have a Patreon page. As you know, we don't run shitty ads on this podcast. All we ask of you is if you consider supporting us. So thank you so much for taking time to listen to this and enjoy this conversation. before about um meeting different people and things like that it's a it's a breath of fresh air because you've actually allowed us to sort of come to your home here and that connection what you're seeing there of just coming across very interesting people i remember um was it i mean i was 17 i was 17 years old i think i was i might have been 15 i'm not too sure but when i come across your documentary uh, tribe okay yeah and uh, i was watching that and i can remember um one of the most things i was telling chris this on the way down um was when you were you were at a certain tribe. I'm not sure who it was, and you sort of tried to um, you actually sort of tried to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, can I think of the word? Well, basically, you just sort of took on their ways and living the way they sort of live the lifestyles. Sure. And they were a tribe that sort of had no clothes on or anything. Yeah. And they only sort of wore like a, um, it was like a you probably know the correct name. What's the correct name where they wear over the penis? <laughs> What's that called again? <laughs> That's different. Yeah, a koteka. Koteka, yeah. 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 And um I can remember you sort of going in a shack, I think it was, then coming out and they said, um and the, the narr- narrator said, um he says, Oh they didn't have a, a, a big enough one for Bruce, so he had to wear a bigger one. <laughs> is, that, is that how our pod- podcast is starting? Yeah. 
that's that's the memory, is it? Okay. That's the memory well, I, I had when I was seventeen years old. <laughs> this is the trailer before. This is what everyone will see. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Actually, no, that there's there's two. I think there's two films you um, you're talking about there. So mm. there's one which wasn't Tribe, which was the first thing I did, and that was a, a film called Candles and Crampons. I slowed my words then. <laughs> Cannibals and crampons. And that was a, an expedition I did with my mate Mark Anstis. And we crossed New Guinea and we climbed this mountain in the middle of nowhere. And in that one, that's where you see me coming out the hut with this. Yeah. <laughs> I think he described it as like an old tobacco pouch or something. I don't know what. Anyway, it's this like sort of black mamba on the end of my dick. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, are we allowed to swear? Oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's, that's quite a funny thing that um, that's followed me since. And... Um, but the but the tribe program, I also went and um, we went back to that part of the world, New Guinea, yeah. and they're amazing, beautiful, wonderful people. And you're right, they're 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 naked, and um, <laughs> you know, and <clears throat> when if you're, I don't know if you've ever run through the jungle naked, but like what you notice if you do is your your dick sort of slaps are all over yeah. the place. Your balls kind of have their own equilibrium, and so they're. Yeah. They're, they're they're not such a problem, but but your penis is always just flapping yeah, yeah. around. So they just they want to get rid of it. They want to they want to do something with it. So either they put like a hollowed out gourd or vegetable over it and then tie that up, or another thing they do. I don't know if you saw that episode. Is that they f- push it back into the body? Oh yeah, I've seen that one as well. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so that's, that's that was a thing. struggle for you as well. That's another thing. <laughs> that's another thing. That, um, yeah, I mean because the actual the guy. I don't know if you remember the episode, but so the guy who comes over to basically push my penis back inside me. Um, you, if you look at his face, uh, he's got a big cheesy grin because what you don't realise in the show, because it didn't make it to the show, is he he was coming on to me in the treehouse oh, really? the night before. <laughs> yeah, so this guy's madly in love with me. He's amazing. Beaufort Quo is such a beautiful guy. But like he's always trying to cuddle up with me in the treehouse. That stuff doesn't make it to the show. But when you see his face now, if you watch it again, he's got this big cheesy <laughs> grin as he gets his hand onto my dick. Yeah. And if you imagine rolling over... <laughs> Um, if you imagine what he does is he basically takes my foreskin, he rolls it up and then, uh, and if you imagine you had a, a sausage roll and you squeezed it really hard, the meat would shoot out, wouldn't it? So uh-huh. that's what he does is basically rolls my foreskin oh. and then he grabs my, and he just like squeezes it as hard <sighs> as he can. And, and of course oh. it comes inside and that's what they do. And then they just tie it up so that the whole thing's disappeared. <laughs> Don't know if you, you started this, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's been on his mind all the way down. You started this, you started this, but you know, they're, they're the penis stories. They're yeah. the beginning of your podcast. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and we can finish it there. Thank you. <laughs> so you come what you like. What you came yeah, we like um, we like a good penis story on the podcast. Um, before, when you were saying about the the freeing aspect though of of that sort of just having all your sort of genitalia out, mm. I had the same scenario where um, I like going in like this, I jump in the sea or I go in the lake or whatever it is, and I'll just be completely naked. Yeah. But there's like a freeing, there's a sort of something freeing of us getting back to maybe who we truly are. I mean, did you do you find that like is it a freeing aspect as well? Did you tap into that? Yes, no. I mean, like it's it because I'm so used to having clothes. Yeah. I mean, now less, but when I was, I think you were so used to not having clothes on. <laughs> no, 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 because you, you know there is there is something freeing, but there's also something because I'm so conditioned to having clothes yeah. that's actually it takes it. There's a little bit of a meniscus you have to break through before you feel. Oh no, actually, this is quite nice. And like swimming in the sea you know or, or rivers it's the same it's like it is actually nice but you have to go through a little process mm-hmm. in order to get there and then you're like oh god actually this is really sweet so no i totally agree with you and i now um i, I swim naked a lot yeah i, mean, I much prefer it i'm barefoot most of the time and 
and wandering around here naked a lot as well. <laughs> it's pure Britain through that um, c- the pattern of conditioning, mm. like a societal societal conditioning of just you've got to have clothes on, you've got to look res- pre- res- presentable yeah. at all times for all people. <laughs> it's kind of a British mannerism. It's just like <laughs> it's also chilly at this latitude. You know, yeah, so I guess I guess clothes have come around naturally, but um, yeah, I mean like <coughs> the conditioning in all those aspects of of life are really you know you start scratching the surface you're yeah. like oh my god yeah. <laughs> where are we at when yeah. when you're going into um speaking of um conditional so society and conditioning when you're going into these um tribes do you feel that you have to adapt to their um culture very quickly or do you think it automatically just comes natural like as a people of people or do you have to like it's really big culture shock really yeah um well people are people Firstly, mm. on the s- sort of beneath it all, we're all the same. I think that's something that I really hope came across in the shows is that actually beneath the sort of colours and the yeah, flamboyance, we're all very, very similar. But of course, there are norms, you know, cultural norms and things that some do and some don't do. And, you know, so you have to kind of figure out your way through that. But generally, it was never a shock because I just went in attentive, you know. I had nothing else to take in with me. I just came in and it's like, okay, I'm just going to use every sense I have to try and be a good guest and to not mess it up. Yeah. You know, just like, okay, how how, how can I be a good guest? How yeah. can I be a good family member? How can I help out? And you just put all your attention into that. And they can see that you're trying and they like it. And even if then you make a little mistake, they know that you, you don't mean you don't mean to. And so they can be quite, you can make quite light of it. Yeah. So it's never really... Um, it was never a massive cultural shock in that it's just <coughs> was it was it for them was it for them a cultural shock having s- someone from a westernized background enter their sort of domain was that definitely you know i mean of course every culture is different that i visited and some are much more acclimatized to outside world or acculturated to the outside world than others but nearly every group has um is involved in the wider world it may it may be that you see them and they're in this remote place in the middle of the forest or the middle of the desert or in the mountains whatever but nearly everyone in those societies has been to town has been to the city they've mm-hmm. all watched television it's not like they're not aware of the outside world they're all involved in the monetary system they're all involved yeah. and those groups that are so remote that they're not we wouldn't go to you know we wouldn't go and do a first contact uh-huh. in for the series tribe at least um, so, so the so it's not as big a shock as you might think because you look at them on television and think, oh my God, they live in this pristine life in the middle of nowhere and they don't know anything about anything else. But of course, mm-hmm. they do. They're fully aware of the outside world. They just don't, don't live in a way that it's that they're brushing up against it the whole time. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting how you mentioned how um, a culture who hasn't actually experienced any Westernized <coughs> civilization uh, influence. Sorry. And it's interesting to think because it makes me wonder if you would actually present yourself to them and they invited you in, could you affect their culture forever? Yeah, That's absolutely. What I yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely a lot of people when they first watched my programs. I mean, there was a lot of wonderful feedback, but there's a lot of people also who are very thoughtful people who said, Bruce, you know, what are you doing there? Should you be there? This is this, yeah. are you changing these people? Yeah. And I think that this is a really important question to address because of course, in some ways I am, you know, there's no doubt that I am going there by going there and interacting with them, no matter how much, how little I take and how much it's just about them, just my being there, of course, is going to influence them. And of course, there's also a film crew who are living on the outside of the village who are 
eating spaghetti bolognese and drinking wine and having a different life. So that's also going to affect them. It's like the circus has come to town. And so yeah. this is definitely going to affect them. And, and so some people would say, well, th th aren't they going to go and want to rush into the city and have all these joys and excitements? And aren't you, aren't you bringing the outside world to them? It's going to mess with them and, and all that sort of stuff. And so I think that's a very important question. And my answer to that is generally... Um, there's an element of romance in that question because, mm. of course, most of these people are already fully aware of the outside world to some degree. So we're not doing, we're not bringing that much that's different that they already don't already know about. However, the interaction does hype that does raise that. Um, but uh, generally, my answer is that actually the forces of change that are already happening to these people mm. outside of us are so big, like the 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 loggers, the miners, the missionaries, the nation states themselves, the military. These are the forces that are really changing these people. Yeah, much more than a small film crew who's trying to in to fit in as as, as a, much as possible. It's a bigger part of Western civilization Definitely. effect than the modern. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and so if you see that the the line of the filmmaking that that I did, it's like initially it was just tribe, um, or the big stuff anyway. The, initially it was just tribe, which was just me hanging out. But because there was such, such a misconception about what it was that we were doing and that this sort of fear that, that you know, we were altering these people because mm. they were living in a pristine yeah. world, that's why we went on to do things like um, Amazon and Arctic, which were my next series. And Amazon was just looking at all this globalization, you know, the gold mining, the slavery, the soya, the logging, the, you know, the ranches, yeah. all of these things. These are the real yeah. Issues. Issues that are affecting these people much more than a little film crew. But it doesn't mean that I'm off the hook. Of course, we are still affecting them. I'm not saying that I'm not affecting them. But what is that in comparison to the, all the other stuff? And also, maybe by highlighting all these other changes, we can, we can show that actually we're all affecting these people. Yeah. yeah. And I was actually going to say as well, not only that we're affecting them, but they're affecting us. So by you being able to put that out there, I mean, that affected me. That sort of um, exactly. started changing my way of thinking. Do I need to be working this many hours to pay for a house? So that, do I really need this? Can I build something more sustainable? And I think that's that's the real message. That's what I think. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, thanks for saying that because I'm, I'm really pleased that those things come across, yeah. you know, because of course it is a two-way exchange, you know, and it should be. Um, we we have a gift exchange with them when we go, and that's a very complex and 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 important thing mm. that we go through is the 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 one to one exchange. But mm -hmm. then also on a much bigger level is this other exchange of everyone understanding that there are other ways of living, yeah. understanding that these so called primitive people aren't primitive at all. They're actually incredibly advanced in many yeah, many ways, and they've got lots yeah. to teach us. And so just as you said, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in those people and those ways of being that we can also learn a great deal from. I love that because mm. we were talking about this on the way down here and um, as a society we define success by the things that you have mm. but like, is that's not really success like because it's, it's such a like a narrow that's just a, such a narrow uh, sort of band isn't it? Yeah. Well it's a story we're telling ourselves you know it's like so much of what's happening in the world and always has done is like about the narratives that we're living by and at the moment we're living by these narratives which are peddled very nicely by the corporations yeah, and the advertising yeah. and the and also the nation states you know it's like um, more stuff will make you happy more goods more fame more notoriety bigger houses more money you know, all of these things are the things that are the driving force of society and, and in many ways they do bring some comforts and stuff but as you see with other people who don't have them it doesn't bring you necessarily more happiness or yeah. contentment and it certainly doesn't bring you more longevity as a as a species yeah, on this planet yeah 
you know yeah definitely some of the goals that um like the earlier goals when we first started out i was looking back at them and it was about a year ago and i was thinking how artificial and superficial are these goals that i've created like it was to have um a hundred thousand followers on facebook then 250 then and a half a million i was thinking how can something so trivial be a prime influence for my goal and when you watch something like your show you see people just engaging in happiness day in day out in a beautiful thing such as daily rituals and a Mm. daily ritual of happiness and like giving gratitude to each other these should be the primary goals that we should all set ourselves not these um flamboyant intrinsic goals such as sorry external goals such as um how many followers you have on Mm. facebook and to be honest, like a, a goal like that can drive you to a place of misery, because it um, it heightens the ego inside. And when we're height- when we're living in this egocentrical mindset, we believe we're conditioned to believe that what people think of us is is a mere reflection of who we are, which it's not. Who we are is basically just the now, the present, the moment, and just embracing that moment, being happy. And, and giving gratitude in these moments is what it's all about. I mean, did you find that a lot of cultures, um, avoid of like social media and an external? Did you find that more cultures who were internal, more community based, were they more effective together? If you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. No, no, no. Thank you for that. Um, without doubt. I mean, I think the sort of difference between the what they call the intrinsic values and the extrinsic values are really clear in my life. You know, those who 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 put more value in community, in health, in in nature, those people tend to actually have a greater deal of um, uh, of of contentment i think in their lives and the, the those of us who put more values in the external stuff like you know how we look what goods we have um how how, I, how many likes i have all those things you described you know mm. that's that's a never-ending chase of something that actually won't it, it, it's very hard to bring you true contentment there yeah and um and i think that you go and live with the indigenous peoples and you they don't even have that conflict in their heads you know they they are they they're they're not they're not in any way having to deal with the same issues and i think the main reason for that in my understanding is because they're just much more connected in very many ways on Mm. their daily lives so you know when you grow up everyone around knows who you are you don't need to have a facebook page and like try and be someone else and then hold this the amount of energy we put into trying to keep a facade an image because we live in this world of anonymity so everywhere i go i need to have people see me because they don't really know me and so how do i look well how do i what am i dressing what's my hair like what's my facebook image well how many likes on instagram all these things because actually we're not we're not known. We're all desperate for some form yeah. of identity and wow. to be known. And these people, of course, they're known from the moment they're born. And they, they're known not only by each other, but they're also they're connected to landscape as well. So they know the nature. They know that what they do also, if they mess with the landscape, then that will fuck their future too. So they have that sort of connection. And they're also connected also in a spiritual way. They're sort of, they're, um, they feel much more, um, empathically um, in tune with the environment as well. They they have a much deeper sense of 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 being in the space, and and then you know the, all their rituals and all the things that come along with that and the sort of stuff that I talked about in my film. Um, 
And so all in those ways, they're, they're connected. They're connected to themselves as well. They're, they're, they're much more in their bodies because of the way they're working. They're not just caught up in their heads the whole time like we yeah. are. We're very much in the abstract mind, external, but they're much more about the here and now because that's how they live. And so they're much more in their bodies. They're much more dexterous. And those things as well, you see the studies, that brings about a greater sense of connectivity. So, And also they're, they're not carrying so many traumas inside because they have tools to get them all out. Mm -hmm. So in so many ways, I think they are um, much more content, you know. Oh, wow. And uh, I feel, um, and they're also really healthy, you know. The, the diets that they eat often very, um, especially the hunter-gatherer diets, really amazing nutritional diets. And... Um, so I think in many ways they're actually living extraordinarily beautiful lives and they don't have to deal with those problems that we have. I mean, there's really interesting studies that show addiction being correlated with connection. You know. Yeah, we were talking about that mm-hmm. when we were yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you, so you know all about this. It's so fascinating. And to me, I see that. You know, I genuinely live with some indigenous groups and I don't see any addictive tendencies at all because oh, wow. they are fully connected to each other and to the place. And so they're not trying to f- constantly fill that void. I see it in myself when I'm away uh, from my friendship group and I'm away doing stuff. You know, I'm always on Facebook. I'm always, it's like, that's where the addictions come because I'm not actually happy. Yeah. But when I'm actually with my friends hanging out yeah, and just enjoying that. my day in the summer day, you know, the last thing I want to do is go and look at, look at my social media. I'm actually fully content. And like, that's a tiny microcosm of something that's happening in a much bigger scale all the time. I, I think, um, sorry to jump in, I think yeah. that could be a, a, when you were talking about Facebook there, because I felt that same thing. I think that could be like a deep longing for connection. And that's why yeah. people maybe are on Facebook and social media, because deep down they're longing for the real thing. And, and the only thing that they can get is that quick little fix of something that, I mean, for some people that does help people. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that doesn't, but maybe the bigger thing is that they're searching for that deep sort of deeper connection before as well so, um i want to forget this point because i had a few points before um you were talking about how um the people that certain tribes were more interconnected with the land and mm. more connected with nature and things like that do you think um that is one of the reasons why they're more sort of more spiritually inclined or more sort of um open to sort of metaphysical metaphysical things in life because the connection with the earth and understanding of how magnificent the planet is that actually opens up something in their mind to two bigger possibilities of what the in, what is in the universe or in inside their own self or, what, or whatever definitely i think that they that many of them i mean and i have to say at this point you know we're saying they like yes, indigenous yeah, yeah, peoples sorry, generally yeah, yeah. and of course well. i know yeah but also it also i think that it, oh, so many of the groups i visit are very different so it's very hard to sort of generalize across all groups um and um but I, but I guess for the purpose of this uh, this yeah, podcast, we I have to generalize a little bit. But I just I just want to obviously highlight that. Yeah, it's um, good. Really there's good many point. many many different ways out there, and and it's very hard to just say one thing that represents all it's, of them. It's good you said that as well because we'd have about um, twenty people saying, "What do you mean? What do you mean?" Yeah, <laughs> there's <yeah>. multiple. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So so it's you know, so I, I guess we're being generalistic for the sake of the conversation, and I do think there are some general points that many indigenous groups have in common. Um, and now I've forgotten what the question was. Oh, about uh, connection to nature and with whether yeah, that yeah. was... Well, I think that they have a greater sense of wonder often um, because they're less, you know, our drive, analytical sort of left hemispheric drive for, for knowledge mm. has, um, has closed so many doors on things that we genuinely believe that science has got it all wrapped up. And then you lose a sense of wonder when that happens. But actually, I think that 
there's 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 complications with that i don't think that that is necessarily a truism i think that there is many mysteries that we we're, we're a long way away from understanding and i think that that uh, science for the be beautiful tool that it is isn't the answer to everything and i think that they genuinely know that and i think that they're it's not just because they're connected to nature. I think it's also because of how they're experiencing the world. I think that there are different ways that we can experience the world. And I think, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the film that I just made. It's called Tawai. I haven't seen that, it yet. I'm going to no, watch no, it. Yeah, yeah, so in that, we go into that. And there's this amazing scientist we we meet along the way called Ian McGilchrist who um, oh, you should yeah. go and meet. We're actually going to try and get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. talks about the right and left brain hemisphere right, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so for his work is very much about perception and how we can perceive and experience reality in very different ways. Wow. And the thing that the reason I very much liked his work is because I genuinely think that a lot of the indigenous peoples are experiencing and perceiving reality in a much more empathic and interconnected way. And with along with that comes this greater wisdom of what is going on and the mm. bigger picture um and it's less about analysis and more about experience experiencing the whole and so i think that his work f aligns very much with my own experiences of having really nice people. do you think the modern day work because i've questioned that what you've just said there about that how indigenous cultures seem to have this how did you describe it they're like a, a more of a sort of telepathic em empathic empathic yeah sort oh, of yeah and they sort of have a different they sort of see a different reality sort of see it. um I've thought of I've I've thought of that a lot, and I mean, do you think there's a modern day society the things that w we are doing could actually be sort of stopping that connection to that thing? I think that yes, in all honesty, I mean, I I don't want to be down on on all aspects of modern society at all. Yeah, I think that I, you know I'm not trying to turn back the clock and yeah, us yeah. all go and become hunter gatherers again. Although it wouldn't be a bad thing, but like, um, but it's yeah. not probably going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think yeah. a lot of people have to readjust yeah, their lives. No, no, that's, <laughs> like, that's not gonna. I mean, it might be forced on us, but um, <laughs> you know. So I think that that's not a great sales pitch for that one. Um, <laughs> but I do think that the. Um, there were so definitely certain aspects to the way we were living that um, were more healthy for us. You know, it's, it's, I think that we've become incredibly successful and we've achieved a great deal of what we wanted. But as we know in life, so often what we want isn't always necessarily what's good for us yeah and so it's like we're in the Swedish shop and we've created all this amazing stuff and we've gone this drive for all these amazing things and we're so successful and we've done them and especially us as a society who are like top of the pyramid you know we're one of the richest nations and we're you know we're 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 so affluent in material terms and yet we've got the greatest amount of mental illness we've got massive problems in loads of aspects of society it's clearly not sustainable because we're going to trash the world not everyone can live like we do and so what you know th there's clearly a massive bit of wisdom missing there yeah. mm -hmm. um, and I think that indigenous people see that you know and I think that they are experiencing the world differently I think they do know that if you mess with nature it messes with you in the long run and I think that they're you know that there's a lot of what we've got going on that isn't working for us and people are beginning to wake up for that yeah but it's 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 um I, it's I, tough yeah it really is tough mm. and I, f I think trying to find your way through that is really hard because we were seeing this on the, on the way down as well that we're <coughs> we're sort of born in a world where you're already steeped in all this condition and all this whatever yeah, all these things that's around you and i think it's it's as a young person it's so hard to sort of find your way through yeah, that yeah i mean i'm looking around myself now and i'm, I'm i am in that i am immersed in that yeah. now and i'm trying to sort of 
I think we all are. We, we all are. I think even the tribal cultures are probably are finding that transition now as well. Totally. I mean, I think we're all conditioned. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's obviously different levels of conditioning. How much um, oppression there was in your childhood to fit into the to, yeah. the to the box. But I think nearly all societies have some form of conditioning. And you know, and it's really hard, and you know, for all of us today in our society, because we are the generation that is waking up to what's really going on. You know, our yeah. parents and our grandparents, that you know, they were part of it too, but they necessarily didn't necessarily have to face it in the way that we are. Mm-hmm. And so, it's really tough for for young people today. It's like you know, it's really hard not to beat yourself up. But I think it's really important not to beat yourself up because actually, we didn't create this. Yeah. We're inheriting something that's been going on for a long time. But we are the guys who are going to have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and so us and our children and, you know, the, these next couple of generations is like where it's all going to either sink or swim. And we, we kind of know that. And mm-hmm. so we've got a number of options. It's like it's really tough to know what to do. And there's a tendency to just go, fuck it. I'll go to the bar and just just drink my yeah. way through it. It's like, what can I do? You know, there's yeah. a sense of helplessness and hopelessness that I think is all prevailing. And that's really dangerous. If- Oh, sorry, I was just going to say... Or there's things like you do, which is like, let's go out and investigate, let's find some answers. Mm-hmm. And what I think is really interesting is actually when you start looking for those answers, you realise that it's not about downsizing and, and, and having to lose loads of stuff that's really important. It's actually, I think there's something much more beautiful that is on offer um, that we can find. Yes, it does mean changing a lot, but those changes don't have to be... Um, all bad I think that some of those changes can be amazing yeah finding that balance yeah. point you I said sorry I was, I'd let you jump in I was going to say though, um, I think what, what I've tried to do in my life is you said the word richness before mm. I've tried to sort of redefine what my own richness is in my life so say just basically all the whole journey of me has been actually redefining what is what what's real valuable to me in my heart and I think it's hard to do that because in society we especially as young people you like you said there, yeah. the, you've, the club's just there, you've got this here, TV here, you've got this influence, 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 and it's just like boom, 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 boom. But you've got to try and find sort of, try and slip your way through the box and then see a different reality, that's what I feel. There is a lot of what you're talking about there, there's so much going on right now around us and the internet has actually been the game changer to it all really. Mm-hmm. And now, like our grandparents, my parents, and even me to a little extent, didn't have the internet, but now, we're all connected. I've seen a post that 90% of all people in the UK are on social media now. That's just how terrifying a statistic of how many people have now got this social media character that they portray. But I was just thinking as well, and um, we talked about a little bit of this before, and we mentioned um, how we can have access to so many information at the pinpoint of a button press. Mm. And this is what the game change is going to be. I mean, how easy now is it to like, just find out other people, other like-minded people right now and just say, you know what, this is who I really am. And they can really instantly connect with them other people instead of just hiding it to themselves for, for the rest of their lives because they can't have access to this information. But now, because we do have access, it feels like everybody's starting to just portray these incredible lives because they can find the information, they can find the people who can make it happen and they can ultimately be themselves in the process they can be who they want to be and thankfully the internet's created something like that and this is and this is the frightening thing i mean we're creating 
something that's going like 90 miles an hour and we don't know where the stop sign is but it's the internet right now is necessary. I don't even know where I'm going with this. That's, that's no, a question th- in there somewhere. No, I don't no, know. No, let me vibe <laughs> with it, mate, because I totally hear you. And I think that, you know, it's important to, to you know, we've had a bit of a downer on social media recently. But I'm also, like I said earlier, I'm not about turning back the clock. It's about integration and and also looking at what's really working and what's not working and just seeing it all from a different perspective i agree with you you know i think the the internet could well be our salvation i think there's amazing stuff in there there's a lot that doesn't serve us when we get caught up in the things we were talking about earlier Mm. but the fact that we are able to connect to each other peer-to-peer external to the normal forces of control you know government and religion and all those things who used to always hold the the uh, the information Mm -hmm. and now we we get the information from everywhere else and clearly that's complicated because there's so much information people don't know where to look yeah but um but at the same time i mean i'm I'm a real fan of blockchain for example i think that that could really save the day you know the fact that cryptocurrencies are offering ways to undermine banks and and nation states wow thank you because that's where the power is Mm, and uh, create who creates the money all that sort of stuff You've got to go and meet the guys from like Positive Money, or you know, get into the get into the economic side of it. It's so important. Go go down that path too. It's fascinating. You, maybe you already have, um, mm. but that's a really great direction to head in and, and bring your listeners into the understanding of that. It's so important. And then also things like voting. You know, blockchain as well. It can offer a way of us trusting each other when it comes to vote. Get us all empowered to be involved in what's what's going on. So I think the internet. And our ability to connect to each other um, and talk to each other without having to go through central power bases, that sort of decentralization of of what the internet offers is probably going to be our salvation. So that's amazing. But at the same time, um, yeah, you know, uh, where we, what we were saying earlier is like, it's, it's hard for everyone to know who to trust who to get their information from you know and so much of that is is what we're carrying inside of us mm-hmm. and whether we're willing to look at that or not i mean that should be the first step is yeah. we've got to do our own healing and then things wake up and you're like okay yeah that resonates more with me rather than this guy who's peddling blame and hatred mm-hmm. that's a really good yeah. point what really was what point. was actually your um your inspiration to sort of go and visit the, the tribes and things like that i, I never knew that you know, in the early days, you know, because I left school, I joined the Marines, you know, so I was just on this totally different trip back then. And um, I just guess I wanted to prove myself to the world. And so in the early days, I was just an adventurer. It wasn't about, um, like, you know, you said it yourselves at the beginning yeah. of your journey, you you started out in sport and health, and then it, it turned into something else because you suddenly become aware. And I yeah. had the same. I was just an adventurer. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I... I, I cared about a lot of stuff, but it wasn't like my prime focus. I just wanted to go and climb mountains and be the first guy to be this yeah, place or go to the place that no one's ever been before or meet these people that no one's ever met before. And that was my driving force and I'm a bit ashamed of that now, but I think it's really important to honor that as my past. It's like, that's where I came from. That was what my drive was. But then of course, if you are willing to listen and open to the experiences then you realize oh my god there's so much more yeah, going mm-hmm. on and then you're like oh, okay wow actually what i was doing wasn't great and maybe i should be doing more of this and listening to more of that and helping people in this way and so so that's that's been the journey but the initial impetus was just to be an adventurer yeah. i was gonna actually say as well because when you are visiting these tribes and things i mean you're sort of entering a 
another world sort of mm. say but that sort of uh, opening up another world inside your psyche did did you find that as well that sort of not only you entering another world you entering your world within inside yourself as well definitely you know if you you know there's different ways of engaging with people isn't there it's like mm. um we can go and be in someone's house and actually not listen to them at all and maintain your own perspective and just just ignore it and put it out or you can go and especially if you're having to live in someone with someone mm. and it's there they're the majority and you're the minority and you're there that you've said you're going there to learn then you even if they're saying stuff that initially you go oh my god i'm not sure if i agree with that but if you hold it a little bit and then to see why is it that you're saying that what is it that you're what why is it that's motivating you sorry what is it that's motivating you to be like that and then sometimes after a while you suddenly realize oh my god actually there's something really beautiful about what you're doing and what you're saying and so mm. for me every time i went i just went as open as i could to try and listen to why what they're saying and why it is that they're saying what they're saying and then yeah. in time you realize oh my god actually they're saying something that's completely different to what i used to think but now i think that's even better than what i used to think yeah, i was going to say <laughs> so you have to let go of that of your shift. western mind to totally, do that yeah. yeah well it's not let go of it's just i think it's open up a bit yeah just uh, just be open to other perspectives and and that's the greatest gift i've ever had in life is is to just learn to listen and not think you know better mm. you know i love that really good point what were some of the most interesting tribes that you come across that stick out in your mind well you know i guess the film i just made um i went back to visit this group called the panan and the reason i went back to visit them was they were the last group i lived with when i was making the tribe series um and I must admit that when, you know, when I was making all those documentaries uh, in tribe, you know, we went to 15 different tribes around the world and I met, met many others before that. And yeah. so, you know, I'd, I could sit around any dinner table and talk about human nature and culture and society. Yeah. And, you know, I thought I'd seen it all. And then I met the Panan, which was the last group. And I suddenly realized that actually... I didn't know anything at all. This group was so different that I was suddenly going, oh my God, everything that I thought I knew I have to reevaluate. Wow. It was so, so interesting. But not only everything I thought I knew about all the other tribes, but also about our society and everything. It was like, here's a group of people that, that, that really changed so much for me. And I'll tell you why. It's because when I actually think about all the tribes that I visited apart from that all of the others were actually in some ways still quite modern in that because we look at them and think oh my god you've been like this forever and ever but actually all the other groups had aspects to them which are actually quite modern and this group represented something that was much older that was also like 90 percent of our time on the planet so this group in a way represented how we evolved for like 90 percent of our time Whoa. and then everything else is only in the last ten thousand years and so what it is, is like this group was the only group who were living in a way before agriculture and domestication of plants and animals. Oh, wow. And all the other groups, even if they're reindeer herders, even if they were like, you know, cattle ranches in Africa, what all these very beautiful and wonderful, of course, flamboyant um, and interesting tribal groups, they all were actually in some ways domesticating plants or animals. And, and then when I met the Panan, they were the one group who... Um, 
weren't but it wasn't just that that's fine that's not such an interesting thing but what was what what struck me so much was the way they were with each other oh. and the type of society that they created and what we explore in the film is that okay so this group and now i realized all other groups that are like them i.e all other groups before agriculture were what we call egalitarian and egalitarian there's no leaders no laws no um hierarchy of any type and then i think of all the other groups i with they all had a chief they all had a shaman they all were domesticating plants so they so and every other society on the planet we've always think okay leadership and hierarchy has just always been there mm. but what i realized when i lived with the panan was actually that's not the case at all that actually our true ancestry and history is like anarchical no leaders and that's something that i'm like wow. oh my god like i'm the guy who's been around the world live with all these tribes and i didn't know that it's like our whole society has no idea that our true ancestry is harmonious living anarchical non-hierarchical non-competitive societies and i'm not just saying that from one group i've now obviously i just made this film so i went and met the experts the anthropologists and all and yeah and this is still debated but my genuine belief my genuine belief having lived with these groups now i've lived with a, a, a few of them is that this is the case this is our true history and somehow we've got this story of our past it's like we've always been aggressive we've always been competitive it's like you know this is just how it is we've always been men in charge and then you go and live with these groups and you realize oh my god actually our true deep history is completely different and i thought i have to I have to share this story. That's this is a part of our, our ancestry that's so needed to come back into wow. the narrative today. I love that, by the way. That oh, is, a, that, that is a really, really interesting it's point. Because um, I've actually questioned that myself as well, that question as well. And um, I, sort of society sort of ingrains into people that if you don't have leaders and if you don't have that sort of that societal structure, we'll tear ourselves apart. Yeah. But it's n that's not the case from that. That's uh, beautiful. That. You know, and the other thing that's really interesting, because I remember, so I was with the Panan, and then I meet these two anthropologists in the film, Jerome and Ingrid Lewis, who are amazing. And their work, to me, is some of the most important work I've ever come across, you know. And, um, and, uh, and so we were with the Panan. He goes, not only are these sort of anarchical, non-hierarchical, non-competitive societies. They're also the most peaceful people on the planet. And I'm like, you what? You can't <laughs> say that. How can you say that? Like, no, 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 Bruce. By every means by which we measure these things in anthropological terms, and we measure them by, by you know, people having lived with them for decades now and ticking how many times they fight or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> these people by far are the most peaceful people on the planet. And these are the groups with no leaders, these are the most peaceful people and um and yeah it's it's there's obviously more to say about that more to say about how they could be like that they live in certain areas where there's abundance where they have equal access to resources there's a number of things that allow that way of being to exist but it's still to so you could just go well that, that's impossible now to bring back because we don't all live like that anymore but that's not the point to me i think it's the narrative that is the important thing we've lost that knowledge mm. of how what our past is we we've peddled another story wow. that enables 
our leaders to maintain leadership, yeah. whatever it is, you know, that the way that we structure society is built on the foundation of that narrative. Um, and I think that that narrative doesn't work for us anymore. And that the, if we only understood that we could live in a different way, I think that we really could recreate something incredibly beautiful. And, and it's just knowing what's possible and knowing what our true history is, yeah. is the first step mm. to me. And so that's why I was really excited to make the film. And, it, and um, you know, and it's a lot to do also with um, female power and the role of women within society. It's a lot to do with uh, the, the different play that they have between each other. It's a lot to do with the, um, everyone buying into the story, everyone knowing it um, and believing in something together. So there's loads of aspects to why it is that they maintain that. But... Um, I genuinely believe, and there's lots and lots of evidence now, that you know, every society that's out there in Africa and Southeast Asia, which is where these groups were, um, the earliest peoples that are, um, that are existing in a way that represents this time before agriculture, they all have the same traits. Wow. And, and then it shifted as we moved out into the out of the tropical belt into um the sort of uh the more temperate zones because then we had to store food for the winter or the dry season or whatever and then who gets to share the stores and stuff that's where perhaps power came in and it's all started Stuff shifting shift, thereafter yeah. so these are the, this is our, our sort of historical um shift but it it's still to me, it's like things like the internet. We could come back to a place of abundant resources where we all have equal access. To. We could do, we can do what we want. Mm -hmm. We can do whatever we want. Um, it's just coming together and knowing what's possible yeah. and you, knowing what's best for us. Mm. When, you, when you've talked about the, how do you pronounce it? Pan, the Panan. The Panan. Panan, Panan. What, you didn't really say well, what makes them unique? Like, is it? So the, for me, the, what's really unique about them is that they were the only group I ever visited in all of the tribes who didn't, who had no hierarchy, yeah. who had yeah, no yeah, leadership. Yeah, and we said that. Yeah. yeah. So that's what was like, oh my god, and the mo and so peaceful. And uh, I noticed it from the first moment I was with them. It's like, wow, this group is so, so different. But I couldn't put my finger on what it was. It mm. was just that uh, they. It felt like they were working from a different operating system. And the other thing that was really interesting about them is that I kind of, we touch upon a little bit in the film, is that, okay, so hunting and gathering actually is a form of daily meditation. Oh, That wow. was the other thing. Yeah. So that's why we brought in the work of Ian McGilchrist. It's like, okay, when you're out hunting the monkey, you've got to be fully present in order to get it. If you're drifting off in your mind to an abstract time and place, you're not going to feed yeah, your you know. family. So you have to be in your body and senses on a daily basis, in your fully alert in the here and now to, to be able to feed to feed your family and that's a meditation mm. likewise when you're foraging you have to be fully aware of where everything is you can't drift off like you know you if you're agriculture you're putting things in a line you can wear headphones and drift off um, but when you're foraging and when you're hunting you have to be relating to the world around you in a different way and and for anyone who's been on a meditation retreat you know you know that you come out of that and you feel more empathically connected to everything's around yeah. you you feel more peaceful yeah. you go and do a mushroom trip you want to hug a tree you don't want to chop it down you know these these aspects we know we felt them in ourselves at different times and i think that these these the the hunter gatherers in the early days they were experiencing the world in this more connected empathic yeah. way and then since that time you know, we talked about spirituality earlier. I think that it's quite possible that societies over time have 
created these tools and methods that we've put into a box called religion or spirituality yeah. or whatever but actually these are just tools and methods to try and bring us back to that way of being that we always had initially anyway which is this interconnected sensation of being part of something that's bigger you bigger yeah. than, not just the individual isolated individual self but actually part of something in yeah. a bigger way that's so that's so important that bruce and yeah you actually touched on something there and i'd love to jump on it when you mentioned um, about spirituality and religion and uh, spirituality and religion for me was the first kind of um catalyst in some uh, in a hierarchy so you always followed like a leadership of um, a religious teacher or someone in someone who could speak to God and that could be your higher power, that, that could be the hierarchy. Did they have any like a type of religion which they followed or was it more of a, like a, a less type of religion and more a connective community? Just Yeah, I, I, my, my belief is, so in the film, we you know the Penan have become Christianized. So we actually, even though they are extraordinarily beautiful, uh, connected and living this uh, amazing life, they're, they're, what they believe in has shifted. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, as many groups do over time through the sort of external pressures of people coming in to, to tell them different things. Um, but we do go and visit this other group called the Piraha uh, who live in the Amazon. And um, they're interesting because I, I'd heard about them through this uh, um, amazing missionary called uh, Daniel Everett who had been out to be with them for many years and then had been basically persuaded out of his... Um, his religion by by his time with them thinking actually i can't teach you anything at all and so he 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 left behind his um his christian background when he was with them and the and so he that their sto that story became quite well known and like and he'd written this amazing these wonderful books and he's a great linguist um and so he understood their language but the the point about the piraha is that um their language is so is very unique in that it doesn't have any future or past tense oh, wow. so they are fully living in the present i mean we're all living in the present but they yeah yeah they they they're so there's everything the way they created their society is so based on the here and now and um what he calls i think the immediacy um principle or something anyway it's like if unless unless our conversation is related to us or this place then we're not really interested so they're not interested in abstract thoughts and times and places yeah. so they can talk about tomorrow but they'll talk about it in the present tense they can talk about let's meet up tomorrow by the river but they'll just they'll it's just a simple language where they don't have these abstract terms for just drifting wow. off into other times so they never like talk about like the future beyond death or but what the beginning of time was well so you know what i don't know exactly but i think probably not they're just no, that's not true. It's not for me to say exactly no. of how far their conversations go or not. Um, there's so many things that are fascinating by them to like to to really get to the bottom of it. You would have to ask someone like Daniel, or, um, who who spent that uh, you know years and years with them. But I'd heard about this group about them being fully present, and I knew that that fitted in with my own theories of my own time learning, you know, to meditate, and my own time with the Panan and other groups. Holy shit, that's amazing! That. Yeah, so I went to visit them. Um, and I'm getting around to your question of, you know, is there, did they have leaders as sort of like um, as spiritual as leaders? Yeah, yeah. religious leaders. And so this group was interesting to me um, and I wanted to go and meet them. And what's interesting is that they all have their own direct connection with what they 
Course they have different of, yeah. names for these different spirit entities that are around them. Mm. Um, and not everyone in society, but a great deal of them, just by going into the forest and learning to start to hunt, they are connecting with these voices that speak to them, that guide them. And, and with, uh, they say, like, without these voices, they're, they're, I'm nothing. So these incredibly powerful guiding influences in their life that come from being completely present. Um, so that fitted with my narrative, it's a lot of like my understanding of what's going on in the world. And in that space, they know the, the, these groups are famous for um, not being coercive to each other. So they would never allow a shaman to come in and say, it's like this, it's like that. That's that. I think those things came much later. I think those things came when we started losing this connection that this group has still. And then because of perhaps using our minds differently, because of agriculture, because of all sorts of things that may have come about that that meant that we started losing this much deeper individual connection we had with these guiding forces. And that perhaps then people would go to someone on the outside of town who's not caught up in all of the yeah, ramifications. Yeah. Like, okay, what are you, because you're wise, you're outside of it, you, you know, and then they became the ones who would offer advice, you know, and perhaps in time, they became ones who people went to and they had you know and the sh shamanic traditions may have started mm. um but my personal belief is that we were probably at one time um all felt our own spiritual connection we were our own god source yeah our own source yeah our own, yeah we we were well whatever it is i couldn't say but like we we all understood that we were part of something bigger than ourselves and we saw ourselves as part of that and that w our actions were incredibly um you know that our actions had consequences mm. and that we could feel empathically what those consequences would be on ourselves in the future so we were just much more caught up in this um in, in the entanglement of of life yeah do, do in you nature do you think the aspect of because you mentioned uh, the shaman aspect there i mean i know that you did obviously psychedelics when you were there and things like that. you did ayahuasca and i think you did a a, a, a boga yeah, yeah. yeah but do you think that that shaman aspect of the society is actually m makes it better because it's makes that whole society better because that's actually because us as a society now we've completely not only just severed our connection with nature we've severed our connection with that shaman aspect mm. in all you know many cultures in the past that you said tribes that you come across had this shamanic aspect to that civilization do you think that could play a role as well yeah i mean i think that like i said my my belief is that we all came from a place before shamans yeah i mean i think that shamanism is first that is 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 something that came about as a result of um are moving away from all of us being connected where we needed to go to someone who perhaps was holding oh, that right, connection right, cool. and ask them for advice and, and maybe they had methodologies and and societies found plants and stuff that helped them and all of this sort of stuff so i mean like shamanism is a, is a complex word because what does it mean exactly mm. but um I do think that, you know, clearly we're not in that space. I think it's interesting to know where it is that we came from. And I also think that, um, yes, yeah, societies, as I said earlier, perhaps have found tools and methods, whether it's plant medicines, whether it's yoga and meditation, whether it's chanting or whatever, all of these different things are tools that allow us to come together and feel connected and united and part of something bigger than ourselves once again. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, yeah, so... I, you know, I, I, I still drink ayahuasca. I, th I find it to be an incredibly powerful tool. And so I will go and 
sit in a room where there is a shaman administering just because he's one guy um who's kind of like the embodiment of this thing and he's handing it out i don't have an issue with that myself because i know i need to be guided in some ways and so Mm -hmm. i'm 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 down with that but the ultimate answer i think is is for us to get back to a place where we don't need well i you know i'm just very i'm just very excited by the idea of us all having our own direct connection rather than having it mediated through individuals i love that that's a really good point and bruce i I think if we can all just get to that point where we can really truly listen to ourselves, and like and it's hard because in the like we've been talking throughout the podcast about being caught up in this world of distraction, and we sort of like turn off our own intuition, our own inner voice, which will be our true guidance system. If we just get back to that system, you can see so much change in who you are in less than a day, a week, a month. Imagine a month of just listening to who you are. You can completely revolutionize your life, your community, your surroundings, every single person, you de- your connections on a day-to-day basis, that's the true essence of life. And when we can really focus, hone in on who we are, that is that is love, I think. Yeah. I, 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 I totally agree and I love that. And I think that's something to, to, to share as wide as possible. But I, I guess the thing to add to that is that, you know, we look around in society and, and we see that there's a lot of people who, who perhaps not, you know, and and i guess in my own life in my own journey um one one asks why is that and i guess that you know we we all know if you go on that journey of looking at yourself and and going on that inner journey if you will to try and find why it is that i'm behaving this way why is it that i'm who am i and also uh, am i being the best version of myself all that sort of stuff we know that that's a tough trip Mm. you know you have to start unpacking some some shit that we're carrying yeah definitely (laughs) and um so i guess that if i look at my life that was tough you know i've had to like really go there and realize that some of my behavior wasn't great and like why Mm. is that and look at my childhood and all these things and so that's a beautiful journey to go on but it's also a tough one and i guess that i just have compassion for for us all in that sense is that it's not just as easy as saying go there it's like for some people that's obviously incredibly difficult because that means facing and looking at some really difficult things that that perhaps happened to them when they were younger or so it's, i think it's a, it's a very it's very understandable that so many of us are not looking inside because mm-hmm. it's because there's a lot of pain there yeah uh, individually and societally i think we're carrying a massive amount of pain and also just you know it's like people just even societally we are trashing the planet and you know it's like why are people not paying attention it's like it's a really tough thing to take on board it's like mm. god i've got to like look at myself and the way that i'm living and all these things and it's hard you know yeah. what what do you feel about um like you said there about trashing the planet what do you feel about the the sort of the disappearing of, of the tribes and things like that because that's that really saddens me me better me good yeah it's absolutely really happening you know it's like um there's yeah it's like it's it's tragic and it really is going on there's a lot of pressures on those uh, uh, on the lands of which many of these people are living um and it saddens me in my gut too but what i've realized is that actually we're really involved in that happening yeah we're the problem we are the problem Mm -hmm. and like and and so that's a tough one to sit with too you know it's like it means what can I do in my life to to 
be less of a problem you know and i think that's a hard one for us all to to sit with but i think it's really important yeah i think so definitely necessary i think we all have to like sit with i mean my first journey was like i was addicted to video games and um i didn't realize how much of my life was affected because when i was just playing video games hanging out with friends all day and i didn't feel i felt really good because i was enjoying the being together with my friends and just but when I really sat back and just started like analyzing, I was a lot terrible physically, me- mentally. I was overcharged. I was I couldn't really focus on things. I was so distracted and really felt miserable outside. When I started going on the journey of self discovery, self self evaluation, self um self realization. Yeah. And this is the part where I really started stripping away all this this burden that I was carrying and it took a while but eventually afterwards I started becoming who I truly am which is a very thoughtful caring kind loving person who can interact with people on a on a deep level because I've been through the bit of um, a mental struggle as well I mean stuff like a video games or anything else is just um, a mere distraction to what the bigger purpose of life is and which is the present moment and really self analyzing self-actualization that's where the true growth will occur nice man w- oh thanks brother <laughs> 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 when, when you were um i was gonna say about the tribes again i was gonna ask you a question about the tribes i had a question i want to ask you again um about the oh, i'll come back to it what was it again uh, i've lost it um Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. When you are when you were integrating in these tr- in these uh, different cultures around the world, different tribes, and you're seeing the way that they're living and things like that, do you ever ever get the feeling? Because when I was watching your documentary, I always get the feeling that when I'm seeing the way that these peoples are living, I want to live like that all the time. Like I'm looking at where I'm living in mm. my house and the environment that I'm what I'm doing. I'm going to work. I'm working these long hours and things like that. And I'm thinking, wow. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be, I wanna be like that all the time. Did you ever feel that, that you never want to come back and just want to live like that all the time? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. That's what I really think. Think yeah. when I'm watching it. You know, um, yes and no. You know, yes and no. It's like when when I was first doing those the the tribe shows, um, uh, I wasn't really ready to perhaps you know you were you were further down a path of being more in a sort of like content with yourself than i was at that time because like you know no i found it hard you know it it was a struggle i mean it was amazing and like i'm there's nothing negative i have to say about the 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 wider experience of course what an amazing privilege that i had to go and do those things but but it was uncomfortable to sleep at night the food was monotonous it was like there was difficulties that i was struggling with in my own personal process and so often i was like really happy to go back and get in the van and off we go and then have a night in a hotel on the way back and have a hot shower and you know so there was certainly personal comforts that i was missing when i was in those places um even though i could see that the community the contentment the values all of these things were amazing i still was a little bit caught up in my need for personal comforts so so I didn't ever think, no, I wish I could stay here. I was always kind of happy to be coming home. But I've changed since then. You know, I've done a lot more work in myself. I've got rid of a lot of those things that were um, driving me for my need for comforts and stuff. And I feel now I would be much more um, capable of, of living in a more simple way. So much so, actually, that that's my plan. You know, I was going to ask you, what's your direction? Now yeah, so, yeah, I'm basically 
um, yeah, I'm just about to buy some buy some land and a little property in in Wales, and with a group of people, and we're going to come together and Pembrokeshire as well. That's no, it's actually no, it's mid Wales. I'm going to see that cut through. I was looking at myself. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> really interesting stuff. Yeah, <laughs> lots of beautiful things going on down in Pembrokeshire. Yeah, there there is. not long ago. There were beautiful. We've been down there, done a few podcasts with a few people. Have who you? Live yeah, 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 they're really amazing. Cool. Yeah, they're so cool. You know, and so I'm inspired by these people as well who've really stepped out and, and are living their truths. And, and so I want to do something similar. And I'm coming together with a group of people who have a lot of skills. And um, so we're going to um, try and try and recreate some of these things I'm talking about. You know, maybe an egalitarian, leaderless, no ownership, hunting, gathering type society. Cool. Why not? That would be really cool. <laughs> I might come and join they'll you. Be ta- they'll be in the future, they'll be talking about the Bruce Parry... Um, Bruce Parry tribe <laughs> well hopefully it won't be the Bruce Parry tribe it will be we'll name, name it in some sort of more equitable way amongst <laughs> everyone else um, and so yeah you know that we're, we're I'm ready now and I see that actually um, so many of those things that I was driven towards earlier I now realise that actually no something quite different might bring me greater happiness and contentment in my life so I'm off for the human experiment and we'll see how I think it we're goes, all on that anyway. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. absolutely world class. It's really cool. Should we leave it there? Yeah, great yeah. podcast. Okay, cool. Really Thanks, cool. Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> really nice Hug. to meet you guys. Yeah. <laughs> really cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah really, really enjoyed it. Thanks, really guys. Good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So good, brother. Cool. Now, what a podcast conversation that was there. I really do think that Bruce really did hit, hit home some very, very powerful points in that one. And I'm sure you all agree with that. Thank you so much again for Bruce for even just doing this podcast with us. Really means a lot. And in the near future, we actually are planning on revisiting Bruce again as he's now moved to a self-sustainable community where he's living off grid. So we're going to go back in the future and revisit that. Me and Chris, over the last few weekends as well, have been working tirelessly. We've been driving sometimes 12 hours to go and get some amazing podcasts. We have a a really interesting debate coming up on the podcast. I'm not going to give it away yet. You'll have to wait and see for that, but that'll be out in the near future. We also did a podcast with an amazing guy who is traveling the world, who is blind and partially deaf. And that's just a a few. We honestly have so many powerful podcasts coming up. So I really hope you keep an eye out for them. Thank you so much again for even just listening to the podcast. We appreciate you all, wherever you are in the world. And please, if you want to, send in some of these voice audio messages. We love just hearing where you are in the world and what you're up to while listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, you can do through our Patreon page or we have a one-off donation option. On the Patreon feed as well, if you become a Patreon member, I've recently just released a bonus podcast that we did with two, with we did with Marcus Allen and Jason Porterhouse. We talked about is the is planet Earth getting better or was the past better? So if you become a Patreon, you will you will see that on the feed. So anyway, we love you all, and we'll catch you next week where we have another powerhouse of a conversation. And I promise you, it is a powerhouse of a conversation. Peace and love.